Turn, if you will, if, if you will, to the uh, book of Luke in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we're going to start out in Luke chapter 2, and while you're picking your way through to find Luke chapter 2, um, how many of you really, really, really enjoy the Christmas season? Some of you aren't raising your hands for whatever the reason. And it's probably this. Sometimes there can just be too many things going on, can't there? Some people are like going, I told you. Listen, all three of my kids were born within a month of this time. So we got all these birthdays and birthday things happening. And, and so in addition, now we're at that stage in life that there are these, all these things that are happening. And they seem to like happen faster and faster and faster and you got sometimes three things going on at the same time and I'm like well how in the world are we supposed to be in three places at one time when there's only you know two of us something's got to give and how many of you sometimes feel like it's just so easy Doug to get distracted between the office parties and the church parties and the school parties and the performances and the plays and the expectations that you've placed on other people's lives and the expectations that other people place on your your life to be certain places sometimes this year can be this time of season this time of the the year can be anything but focused on jesus and so you know i'm right because some of you may be there right now let me ask you a question. Let's say that we were to take somebody from a totally different culture that didn't speak the language, that didn't know anything about Christmas, didn't know anything about Jesus or his birth, and let's say that we were to take them and place them inside of our culture today, and even probably inside of our church. And let's just say that they were to watch our activity, Mike. Let's say that they were to watch us in the text that we made and the and they were to, to see how we communicated with one another, and they were to watch our schedules, and they were to be very observant for a season or a period of time. I wonder what they would say at the end of it, what Christmas was all about, what the focus of Christmas was. Would they say anything about the birth of Jesus? Think about that for a second. Because it's really so easy to lose sight of why we celebrate this season. It's really easy to lose sight that the whole reason that we celebrate doesn't have anything to do with Christmas lights and it doesn't have anything to do with, with Christmas trees and Santa Claus and doesn't have anything to do with that. But the foundation of the Christmas season is the birth of a Savior. That's why we celebrate Christmas. But it's so easy to get Christmas out of focus, isn't it? Let's take a breath today. Let's take a breath. And let's see what God does as we ask the question about, am I distracted? Is my life out of focus? And if so, God, what do you want me to do about it? Is there something that I need to do? Is there a decision that I need to make today to say, God, forgive me because... I've bought into the lie. And at the end, I'm going to tell you now, at the end of our time today, there's going to be a time of prayer. There's going to be a, a, what we call an invitation where 
some of our overseers and leadership will stand up front and and there's an opportunity for you to go I'm distracted I'm distracted I need to go forward and I want to pray but before we get down to the meat of everything I want to read a passage of scripture found in Luke chapter 2 it's what my family reads every Christmas as we get up before we enter before we read before we uh, open presents before we do anything we usually fix a cup of coffee or a hot chocolate whichever is appropriate and we go sit down in the living room and we read this story the Christmas story before we do anything else and I want to read that to you today to sort of bring us in line of really the real reason that we celebrate and then I want to talk to you about some distractions and then I want to look at the at a man that we find in Luke's Luke's account of the birth of Jesus a man by the name of Simeon and we want to see and what are some things that Simeon did in his life to help him not become distracted? So if you'll read with me today, let's start out here in, uh, in Luke chapter 2. And let's, let's read this together. Read along with me. At the time that Roman Emperor, Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Serenius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go back to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Now, if you're a parent and you're in this room, I want you to think back to that time when that first child was born. Do you remember the, all the thoughts that were going on in your head? Ladies, what about you? <laughs> I, rem I remember uh, the pregnancy, Meredith's pregnancy with Abby and how long we had waited. It was 12 years that we had waited dealing with infertility. And, and it was a Wednesday night. And remember, guys, Abby was born December the 6th. She was born on a Wednesday night because we had been with kids at church that night. And after church, if you can identify with me, women get into this nesting thing. Are you okay? You, okay? you know what I'm talking about? Trying to get everything. We're six and a half weeks out from, from when Abby's supposed to be born. But on that Wednesday night, Meredith looks at me after church and she said, we need to go to Target. And I'm like, going to Target? What in the world are we going to do it? We just got to go to Target. There's some things I got to get. I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? It's 8.30. If that's what you want to do, baby, whatever you want to do. That's a smart man, okay? I just gave you some advice right there. That's a smart thing to do. <laughs> so we load up and we go to Target. So, bless her heart. I mean, you know. So we're at Target. So Meredith, you know, anyway. Meredith goes into the restroom. She comes out. She's got this funny look on her face. And I said, what's wrong? She goes, something's not right. Well, now, when you've dealt with what we've dealt with over the numbers of years that we had dealt with, it was not a good deal, okay? It was a really, really emotional time. And Meredith, Meredith said, I, I think my water broke. And I'm thinking, water broke? What's that mean? I mean... <laughs> 
You know, I, I didn't have a clue. So she's on the phone with Doc. Doc's like going, just go home. It's not a big deal. I'll see you tomorrow morning when we get home. I find out my wife's in, in, in the shower and they're shaving her legs. Now look, when your wife starts shaving her legs and it's time, you know that something's fixing to happen. <laughs> so I said, so I said, I said, baby, I said, what's going on? She says, well, I got contractions. I said, well, Doc said go home. I said, well, how close are they? And she said, they're like two and a half minutes apart. I said, two and a half minutes apart? What does that mean? You know, I didn't know. That means the baby was coming that night. So we loaded up. I'm on the phone with Meredith's mom. We didn't got any clothes packed. I mean, they were six and a half weeks out. They don't tell you in the baby class you're supposed to do that until like three weeks prior. So off to the hospital we go. Let me tell you something. When Meredith tells you that there's a baby that's coming, I don't care what the doctor tells you, the baby's coming. Four hours later, Abigail was born. Six and a half weeks early. It was an emotional time. Do you think that it was an emotional time with Mary and Joseph? I bet it was. Emotional to say the least. Luke goes on to record, and while they were there, their time, the time came for her baby to be born. <laughs> she gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. He said, for I bring you what? Good news. Good news. Good news that will bring great, what? Joy to some people. All people. The angel said, behold, I bring you good news. Good news that will be great joy to all the people. Now, during Christmas time, we have a habit of singing these songs about Hope, joy, peace, love, go tell it on the mountain to everybody. You know, we have a, a, a habit of singing these types of songs and focused on peace and love and joy. And, but Christmas isn't always that way, is it? It's not. I know that because this can be a really tough time of the year. And I know that because last Saturday I had the opportunity to speak to a group of people that had lost loved ones over the past year. And at that event, focused on Christmas and the birth of a Savior, there were many people that were grieving. Mist of Christmas, grieving, tears, yeah, a lot of tears. A lot of tears in that room because of the loss of loved ones. And we can talk about the joy of Christmas, but if you sit down and you talk to any counselor, they'll tell you that this is a a busy, busy time for people because it's during this season that many things come out. Many different things. See, sometimes it's the season is difficult, not because there's no room in the end, but because there's nobody wants to come home and visit. You with me? Let me tell you something. If you're here and your parents aren't here, don't you dare let Christmas go by without you telling them, calling them, going to see them and telling them how valuable they are. Because you never know what's 
loneliness is until we, you get down in that place. I was talking to a man last night, found out yesterday he's eat up with cancer. He's one of the loneliest men I know because of bitterness and anger and stuff that he holds on in his life. Don't, do, don't be that way. I'm going to skip down a little bit later in the story because I want you to turn, I want you to look down to verse 25. I don't want to read you something. Because there's a person that's introduced in the story that maybe you don't know that much about, and we're going to talk a little bit about him today. And this is what it says in verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout, and he was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. I want to look at Simeon's life. I want, to, I want to look at Simeon's life today, but before we look at Simeon's life, I want to be able to go back and I want to talk about some of the things that can be distractions in our life that cause us to lose sight of the real meaning of Christmas. Write this down. Unchecked desires. Unchecked desires. Has there ever been a time or a season in your life, a Christmas, when you didn't get something that you wanted? You had your eyes on that one gift, and you just knew that, you just knew that somebody was going to get that gift for you, um, but it didn't happen. You ever been that way? I mean, something that you really, really, really wanted. You know, Bradley, I just had to have it, and I let everybody around me know how important and how valuable that was and how much I just had to have that. It's Abby's 14th birthday the other day. Had to celebrate in the midst of people being sick in my house. It was her 14th birthday. We had set aside a time to go and spend time with Meredith's mom and dad. She had wanted to, we, we were going to, she wanted to go to Takis and eat for a special, we said, okay, we'll do that. Well, with Meredith being sick, we had to forego the plans, and so we had to order Takis into the house. In the meantime, there was one special thing that Abby had been wanting and wanting, and we really needed to get one for her because we only have two phones in the house. So we thought, well, what we do is we're going to add one. She's at that stage in life where it helps us be able to keep up with things, and plus if she's at the house, we can communicate. And so anyway, I had went down, and I, I had spent time at the, at the store getting a phone, uh, but I didn't. I, you know, after going through the generosity, some of you said, well, you should have done that for her. No, I wasn't going to do that for her. I wasn't going to buy her a brand new phone. I was going to give her my phone, okay? <laughs> Save the phone for myself. But anyway, <clears throat> I don't need you writing me no letter telling me how. It was the right thing to do regardless of what you think. <clears throat> So it was time, a year and a half ago, I could have upgraded my phone, but I didn't. But I said, okay, we're going to start her out at this phone right here. We wanted communication. And so anyway, <laughs> so I'd spent all day trying to get this thing ready. We almost had a divorce in my house. I want you to know that if my kids call you, they said, every time Meredith and I have a conflict, they go, we're going to call Mr. Tom and Miss Sandy. <laughs> that's, what they always, that's what they always tell me. That's like, you know better get it together. So we got to laughing, and Meredith and I were in the back room, and we were putting this thing together, and I go, Meredith, I go, hey, I said, let's play a joke on Abby. So, so I, she took this little bag, and I said, here, let's put a book in there. So we put a little bitty book in there, you know, and I said, here, let's add $20 to make it look really good. So she put some stuff on top, and we go out there, and she, you know, Abby, she's smiling, and we're celebrating her birthday at the table, and so, um, we sang happy birthday or cut cake. She opened up, started opening up her gifts. She went to grab for that one first. And I go, oh, no, 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 that's the most special one. 
So she, she makes her way through, she gets down to the bag, and when she picks it up, she realizes it's lighter than what she thought. So it was like, you know, like, uh-oh. <laughs> it was this look on her face. And so Meredith said, well, go ahead, baby, open it up, open it up. So she, she takes the thing off of it, and, and here comes this book that falls out. And Meredith was, boy, she was, she was so good. She said, uh, she, <laughs> funny, she says, uh, baby, I... I just want you to know I had somebody that gave me that book when I turned 14, and, and that book meant so much to me <laughs> that I just wanted to be able to share it with you. And Abby's holding this book, and she's like going, you know, like, and Meredith says to her, she says, well, honey, are you disappointed? And she's like, well, no, my, and Meredith says, oh, there's a $20 bill in there, too. We wanted you to be able to get something else for yourself. And Abby's like standing there like going, and Meredith said, oh, you look like you're disappointed. And she says, not really, you know. <laughs> but have you ever had that time when there was something that you wanted, but you just didn't get, and your desires were unchecked? Listen, it's so easy for our desires to get to get out of check. See, some of you have already maybe gone shopping for yourself this Christmas. You've already know. Listen, you already know. You already have told your spouse where to go on the internet to find the cheapest price where they can get it, right? You probably had a kid, a group of kids. Your kids maybe have already presented you with a list of the things that they want Santa Claus to bring them for Christmas when Santa Claus ain't buying it. It is so easy for those desires to get out of line. Undesire, un, un, so easy for the desires, all of a sudden, for our focus to be on our desires and wants that, that may not be filled. James, the brother of Jesus, talked about this when he said something to the Jews, when he was talking to the Jewish believers. This is what he says. What is it that's causing the fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the evil desires, and I'm using that word, evil desires that war within you? Because isn't jealousy an evil desire? And you even laugh about all the stuff that we want as a child. But see, see, we do the same thing as adults. It's not a bike now as an adult. It's a brand new car. Or it's not a set of Legos as, a, as an adult. All of a sudden, it's a brand new home. That's the way it is. And it doesn't take very long for all of a sudden those unchecked desires to take us to a place that we never wanted to go. No matter the cost, there's a battle that wages and James would go on to say, you want what you do not have, so you scheme and you will kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really good about asking God for stuff. God, I'd like to have this, 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 and this, and if you don't mind, won't you throw a little bit of that in? I'm good about asking God for stuff, but not necessarily good about asking Him about things. Are you with me? When's the last time that you've sat down in the middle of a purchase and you said, God, is this really something that I need? And I've been struggling with that. We've had a conversation in our family about wants and needs, and I've been struggling. God, is this something? Is this something that I really need? Is this something that you want me to have? Is this something that you want me to make an expenditure in? Or is this something just that I want? Is this an unchecked desire and it's so easy for us to get out of focus and for our desires to consume us and control us and when that tension exists and you know when it does because there's a battle there's a tension 
And when that tension exists, how many of us are willing to stop and say, God, what is it you think? God, what is it you want? Lord, am I missing something? Am I trying to bring attention to you or am I trying to bring attention to me? And when our desires go unchecked, it's easy for us to live life out of focus, especially at Christmas. Write this down, unrealized expectation. Unrealized expectation. (laughs) Growing up on on a farm, things were just a little bit different. Now, I don't know how many of you have did this, but did your parents ever leave gum up on the dashboard? Are you with me? My dad used to always use, lose, use, uh, put gum up on the dashboard in a box. You remember chiclets? Remember the little chiclet boxes? This is going back some years now. The little white, the, you know, the little bitty squares. And my dad would throw a couple of boxes um, up on the front, and, and that was what, well, as kids, what do you think we did? We'd reach up there and grab us a little pack, and, you know, we'd you know, chew. So one day, my brother had jumped in the car, with or in the truck with one of my dad's friends and uh, he had a, a box up on the on the front that looked like them little chiclet box but it wasn't chiclets it was phenomens you can tell the age of people in this room you have no clue what i'm talking about phenomens is a laxative my brother had four Let's just put, it stopped him from taking stuff off the dash of the truck. (laughs) Unrealized expectation. He got something that he didn't, that wasn't what he was expecting. I mean, it's funny, we laugh now, but it wasn't for funny for him that time. I mean, you know, and I got in trouble because I watched him do it. We laugh about the expectations, but the unrealized expectations, but how many of us are here and, and when you start thinking about where you are financially, you're not where you thought you would be at this stage and this point in your life. I mean, as you look back, you thought you'd be further along, or maybe it's the marriage. It's not where you thought it would be. He's not what you thought he would be, or she's not what you thought she would would be it's not going the way you dream there seems to be struggles Um, they're not the person that you thought that they were it's not as expected maybe it's your job maybe it's your boss but if it's not an unchecked desire an unrealized expectation maybe it's an unhealthy comparison ever spend any time comparing yourself to somebody else or what somebody else has um, that's really hard to admit isn't it I mean how many of us would go hey <laughs> every Sunday when Melvin sings I always go man I'm so jealous of him because I don't have a voice like that not too many of us are going to raise our hand we may think that but we're not necessarily going to say that it's not something we just write out it admit we would never necessarily talk about it 
we wouldn't necessarily walk up to somebody and go, I want what you want. No, in our culture, it's not I want what you want, but I want something better than what you have. I want something bigger than, that, than what you have. See, if you've got one of these F-150s, I want an F-250. Or if i got this type of vehicle, I want one just a little bit better. So you know you struggle with this if you've ever asked yourself the question, why are they so lucky? Why can't I have... And let me tell you this, anytime you get into the comparison module, it's really easy for you to become discouraged. It's really easy for you to become overwhelmed because you are never, ever satisfied. And what you're doing is you're looking for something else to satisfy you instead of God. And when you're looking for something else, what you're saying is that, God, you aren't enough to satisfy me. Are you with me? But God alone satisfies. And then if you work it down the line, it's, you go from, from not being satisfied to blaming others or looking down on others or even say, what's wrong with me? And if you still go down that line, eventually you'll make it to the place, God, what's wrong with you? Because you don't love me the way that I thought you loved me. Because if you loved me, then you would be doing, are you with me? Why does everybody else have it better than me. See, it's in those times we need somebody to speak into our lives the truth. Somebody to, to, to say, listen, let's stop just for a minute. Let's stop about focusing on all these other things that are distractions, the desires, the expectations, the comparisons, and let's just say, where should our focus be? You know, at this time and season in life when there are all these different things that can take us out of, out, out of, out of, out of whack, that can, that can move us off center, we need somebody to be able to speak into our lives and say, listen, what is it we need to be focused on? To take our eyes off the situation and say, let me look up. Because let me say this, change of focus can change our lives. Instead of, why me? God, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is where Simeon comes in. And I want you to turn back to verse 25. And let's read this for a second because we talk about the distractions. But I think there's some things that we can find in Simeon's life that help us stay focused on what we need to be staying focused on. And Luke chapter 2, verse 25, let me just read some of this along with you. And I'm going to give you three things quickly. And again, it says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man. Tell me what a righteous and devout man, what is he saying? What is Luke, what is he recording here? Simeon was a righteous and devout man. What is he saying? What? Who? He's a, he, he was a truthful man. Okay, what else? He was a righteous and devout man. What is it saying? He was right with God. He sought God's blessings. He followed God's commands. He obeyed God. He was obedient. Um, um, he was a humble man. I mean, there's a lot of things I think that we can say that this man was. Luke happened to describe him by saying he was a righteous and he was a devout man. John 15, 10, Jesus said this, When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus was focused on the Father, and I think this is what we find about Simeon. Simeon was focused on the Father. He was focused on the Father. Write this down. He was focused on God's love. 
He was focused on God's love. See, the world wants to distract us and tell us how unloved we are or how unvaluable we are. Simeon would say, I want to remind you how much God loves us. Remember what the angel declared? He said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that was available to all. See, see what the world says is that God's love is limited. Simeon said God's love is limitless. God's love was given to all of us, so it was given freely. This is a unique thing about Simeon. Simeon didn't know the future, guys. He had no clue of what would happen. He had only he had only the benefit of looking back. We have the benefit of looking back and seeing, seeing what happened and how much God loved us when he demonstrated that on the cross. Simeon didn't have that benefit. And when you get to the place in your life and you think that God doesn't care and somebody, you know, the world wants to tell you just how invaluable you are and how much you aren't loved. Wow. When you get down to that place, you need to be reminded just how much God loves us and remember the cross. But he was focused on God's love. But he wasn't just focused on God's love. He was focused also on God's promises. Verse 25, it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. I was in a conversation with, with Troy this past week, and we were talking about that period of 400 years of the time of darkness and God's Spirit. There was, God didn't speak for that 400 years, and it was out of that. From the book of Malachi closes with the Jews looking for the Messiah, and it opens up in the Gospels with the Messiah still hasn't come. And that 400-year period, it must have been a tremendously dark and quiet time. And it was Simeon that was born during that time. He was born in that season of darkness when many people had walked away from their faith. Many people had abandoned God. And yet here was Simeon who was focused on the promises of God that was found in the Old Testament and also the stories that his family had shared with him. He was focused on the promises of God and he held on and he believed. And he goes on to say that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He was convinced, even though it didn't make sense and even though it hadn't happened up until this time, he held on to the promises of God and what God had said. That the Messiah was coming. When's the last time there was something that took place in your life, there was unbelievable odds, and instead of giving up, you held on because you knew it to be true? When's the last time that you refused to give up? When's the last time that you refused to give in because of what you believed, your faith? And the Bible says that Simeon walked with God. Do you walk with God? I mean, if your friends were to give you some characteristics, would they know you as a devout and righteous person? If not, how would they characterize you? But the scripture says that he was a devout and righteous person. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him. He walked with God. And because he walked with God, he was focused on God's love and he was focused on the promises of God. And he was in the right place at the right time because the Spirit of God led him there. Look at what he says. Verse 27. The, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. Man. Isn't that great? How many of us are in tune so much to the Holy Spirit that we know that God is directing our steps? 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. He was focused on God's love. He was focused on God's promises. But listen, he was focused on God's timing. Write that down. He was focused on God's timing. In verse 25, was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come. Any one of us in this room like to wait? How many of you like to wait in line? If you go to the post office right now, you will wait in line. 20 minutes the other day, I heard this lady say, as she was complaining, there was another lady standing behind me, and I heard this one lady complaining, and the lady said, listen, don't complain. You should have been with me in Wildwood yesterday. I waited for 45 minutes. I don't like to wait in line. I don't like to wait in traffic. Guess that's a bad quality, huh? But Simeon didn't get upset. He didn't get bent out of shape. He just knew that the timing, that the Holy Spirit, when it was right, that he would reveal it, that the Messiah would appear as God had promised. He was holding on. That word, eagerly awaiting, (laughs) in other words, in other words, whenever, but I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, God, because I know you're going to show up. Because you're a a man of promises. I know that whatever you said that you're going to do it. That word wait in the Greek is a a word that's called protiskomi. I just messed it all up, but that's okay. But it means to give access to oneself. That's what it means in the Greek, to give access to oneself. I don't know what you may be waiting on today or where you may be waiting, or where you may be standing in line, or where you may be sitting in traffic. But during those times, it's a great time to give access to God to your life because the Holy Spirit can change your perspective. When's the last time you laid down on your horn because somebody didn't move when you thought they would move? Maybe instead of laying down on the horn, maybe you need to lay your head down and say, God, what is it you want me to see right now that maybe I'm missing? Eagerly awaiting, not being distracted. Standing in the line is a great time to to listen, to give God access. Because when we do that, God speaks loudly and he speaks clearly. See, it's this season that it's so easy to get distracted. And I don't know what's distracting you. It might be some expectations. I don't know. I don't know what it is that maybe it may be too many things going on, but I know Satan will use it as a tool. He'll use it as a tool to get us off focus. And he wants us to get us off focus and focus on something else because he don't want us to understand, realize, and hold on to the real reason for the season. And that's the birth of a Savior. Jesus Christ. Desires, expectations, comparisons. But joy comes and peace comes when we live like Simeon. 
focused on God's love, his promises, and his timing. We say this all the time. God's never late. He's always on time. But do you really believe that? I want to pray with you today. Because if you're like me, the Holy Spirit convicted me when I was walking through this. And he said, Sid, you're focused on all this other junk, and you've gotten off center. And you know what I had to do? I had to ask the Lord for forgiveness. I had to say, God, forgive me for complaining about all the rehearsals i got to go to with the kids. Forgive me about all the basketball games that this one has to be cheering at. Forgive me about all the birthday parties and about all the Christmas parties and about all the expectations of other people. and the expe God, forgive me and help me take a deep breath and breathe and focus on you. Because that's why the Messiah came. That amidst the darkness and in the midst of season when there was no hope, and no joy that the Messiah was born and that's why we celebrate Christmas so I don't know what's got you distracted you may be a whole lot more spiritual than I am and maybe you're not distracted but today I want to give you an opportunity to say as little as it may be or as much as it may be God I've gotten off base I want to recenter. I want to put Christmas back in focus. And I want to focus on the Savior. So I want to, when I ask if our overseers would come, I asked, I texted some of them, you come on, would you just stand with us? And if you're here today, just as a symbol, just saying, me, man, I've gotten off center a little bit. I've been fussing too much about this or that or, I just need to go and Cindy, come on. Lord, will you forgive me? Just as a sign of saying that's me, I want to put the focus back on, on Jesus. If you're here today and that's you, just as a sign of saying that's me, I need you to pray for me. There are benches here. There are leaders here that you can come say, will you pray with me? I just want you to pray for me because that's me. I want my focus to be on Jesus. If you're also, if you're here today, you can't focus on, refocus on Jesus if you've never focused on him. Maybe you're here today and, you know, you've seen baptism earlier with Blaze and Lauren, but maybe you've never given your heart and your life to the Lord there is no hope without Jesus it's not a result of how much money you make the job you got the, the spouse you got where you live or anything else because those things are all temporary Jesus is the only thing that's permanent he is the only thing he is the only place of real hope and if you've never trusted Christ today at this time when I'm assuming that people are going to move, it would be good for you to take one of these leaders by your hand and as you're walking, maybe you say to them, today I want to trust Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I've never trusted him. Would, would you tell me how to do that? 
But just in an invitation time, a time of response, I want to pray for you. Because I'd love for us this Christmas season not to get out of whack, not to be distracted, but to bring things back on the focus of Jesus. Can I pray with you? And then there's a chance to respond. Fathers, I pray for our people today. Lord, as we're here, I'm praying that, God, we would, we would be honest about where we are. Are we distracted? If so, God, during this time, we just pray that our people would come and just acknowledge that. There, there is no forgiveness without, first of all, an acknowledgement. An acknowledgement that that's me. I'm, I'm sinful. Repentance is about turning. There's some of us in this room, if not most of us in this room, Father, I pray that we would come today and say, Lord, I, I want to put you back at the center. If there's someone here today that doesn't know Christ and says, Lord, I want to put you at the center of my life, I pray that they would come. As Melvin sings, in Jesus' name.